Good morning and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Rob, how are you doing? Doing terrific, Todd. It's great. You know, we had a little bit of a, a bandwidth uh, problem on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't see us, it was because uh, Todd uh, had been um, uh, speed limited somehow. <laughs> I don't know if there's a story behind that, Todd. Yeah. So uh, everything was fat, dumb, and happy. I was getting great download speeds, but only like a half a meg up. And uh, when I called them, they were all confused. They're like, well, we don't even have your modem registered or. So it went on and on. She says, you're supposed to be 635. We updated your service. And so what it was, was I'd had a modem failure a couple months after I had the service put in here. The technician had come out and replaced the modem and never updated in the database system. So it only took Spectrum 15 or 16 months to figure out that uh, this modem, they didn't know who it belonged to. It was rogue. So they started clamping down on it, I guess. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It wasn't rogue. It was, and it was, you know, every, I, I must have talked to five people. They're like, how? They, they just couldn't understand how we even had service. So, but they're coming Monday. So maybe I'll have 635 after money. So we'll see. Um, well, you've got uh, enough to do the show today. So oh, yeah. We're, we'll get you back up. Yeah. We're back at 20. So, uh, and, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was, you know, when we started the show on Wednesday, it was like the stream was failing. And I said, oh man, sometimes the TriCaster has a little hiccup and I, you, you know, I rebooted it and, uh, you know, you patiently waited and I hit stream again and it died immediately. And then I started seeing some insufficient bandwidth and that's when I ran the <laughs> speed test and I'm like, well, <laughs> Hey, yeah, we didn't have it's a not show. Happening. It's not right. happening. We could have done a show and not, you know, I got to thinking about it later. We didn't have to be live, but it's so much yeah, more. It could have been, could have been recorded. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. It's so much more fun when you do that. But anyway, it's been a week and, you know, it seems like a lifetime because last week, this time we were talking with Chris Smith about all the things that uh, he has concerns about. And I think that, uh, it's something that I've been thinking about more this past week. Yeah. I've been actually w wondering about it for what, um, five years now or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've been involved in it to some degree back then. I haven't been involved in it since I left podcast one, but <clears throat> those were things that were going on back then that were puzzling me, um, about what's going on in the space. And I can only see it, you know, accelerating the, the whole, trying to come up with a way of tracking impressions right uh, around ad delivery. So that, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of stuff that happened this in the last week. I was just going through all the, the news of different companies doing different stuff in this medium and it just continues to just accelerate. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I know we're, we're both buried in so much stuff going on. It's hard to keep up with everything now. Yeah, it is. And you know, I've, uh, I had, I guess this week was, I will call it the discovery week. I had at least mm, five, maybe, maybe even six. I was talking with my team about it on Friday. Got demos of all kinds of stuff people are trying, you know, new tech and new ideas and way to build listeners. And 
you know, they got groups out there now that are, um, you, you as a podcaster pay them and they somehow find you legitimate listeners for your show, you know? So interesting. Yeah. That to me is always suspect when a company has that type of a service, but you know, it just, it runs the gamut, audio promotion, uh, conversations, continuing the conversation after the, you know, after the show, when it's in the engagement, you know, engagement tools and all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah. I think that is kind of at the cutting edge of where we are. And I thought it was an interesting comment that, um, that Chris made uh, last Saturday about how he thinks that the, many of the hosting platforms are going to become um, almost like studios. Um, and I was like going, well, I don't think that's the, that's, that's the model that we're on the track for right now. So I'm not really sure that that's really going to happen, but um, I, I do feel pressure and I know you do too from podcasters uh, looking to their, their, provider partners to help facilitate audience growth. And that, that does put you in the content business, right? It doesn't, uh, just being a tool provider seems like, uh, the expectations out there are moving beyond that. Uh, whether or not that's right or realistic to think that either one of us can provide that to tens of thousands of podcasts that are on our platform is that's a whole nother conversation. You know, I, I think that the, Everyone used to be really willing to do the work themselves. And now people are so busy, they just want to pay someone else to do that work. And I, I don't think it works that way in podcasting. And no, I don't. Yeah. And more and more uh, people are discussing the concept of building relationships with listeners, right? Um, and I, I don't, those two are contrary to each other. If you think about it, the the methodology of building relationships with listeners uh, is not an artificial or a contractable process, right? Um, some things have to be done with the host and their listeners, right? You can't, mm, you can't really outsource relationships, I don't think. And you have to, you know, and the reason most of you come to the show is to listen to Rob and I, and, you know, you provide feedback from time to time, and we've got people on live today, Matt and Eileen, thanks for saying hello. Yeah. You know, and, um, but we know that even though we're doing this show live, that the majority of people that are going to be listening to it are going to listen via podcast later. So mm -hmm. we understand that you're all busy, but, and, and don't have time to, you know, spoon feed Rob and I dialogue back, you know, but every once in a while we get, we get some feedback from the show and it's, it's good, but. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. count on it because every, you know, everyone's trying to build their shows. At least I'm assuming everyone, pretty much everyone that listens to the show is trying to build a show. There's some industry folks as well that are listening in too. And we appreciate that mm -hmm. they do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I've just, you know, I keep doing these consults with podcasters and I'm trying, I'm up to about five or six a week and I spend 30 minutes with the podcaster and we just go over what they're doing, what they've done and, mm -hmm. It, yeah. it, again, fundamentally, I, I continue <clears throat> to find, you know, and this is just, you know, just, this is just fact, uh, podcasters are not doing what they need to do to build their shows on their own. They just do not. And, you know, I, I've got a call with a gal on Tuesday who's with a competitor and she asked why 
we, and it's not Libsyn. She, she asked, why should I move to Blueberry? And I, and I really, I said, this is a bigger conversation. It's just not about moving to Blueberry Podcasting. I says, you know, it's, it's more of, you know, I see a dozen things that you immediately can do without changing hosts to improve things. Now, I'm going to try to get her business. But at the same time, you know, I'm also going to explain to her why, you know, why she's probably having challenges in growing the show. So it's it's just, again, you just can't do just the podcast anymore. There's more to it. It's It's everything. Well, and where you host it isn't necessarily direct. There's any direct relationship to how you grow your show too. And that's, that's what we were just saying really is that the hosting platforms are being looked to as, um, marketing platforms, um, more and more just because of, you know, how much work it does take to build an audience to a show. And some shows have advantages in that, that pursuit and other shows have challenges and it's not a perfect science to do this stuff. Some genres of content are going to have a limited reach. Other ones have larger reach. Um, so it's, it's not a perfect, uh, fit, but you know, I have these conversations like you, Todd, uh, with podcasters thinking that if I move from this platform to that platform, you know, all my problems are going to be solved and it's very rarely the case, you know, if you really drill into what they need and what they're trying to do and what their strategy is, that really dictates what platform to go to. But to some degree, there's not a lot of significant difference between all of our platforms at the very core. Yeah. The core of delivering media is delivering media. Right. But there is functional differences between our platforms and the areas that we focus on. Uh, as offering tools around, you know, Todd, your platform is kind of, you know, specialized to a certain way of doing it, but it's not, you know, that special way of doing it isn't the only way you can do it. You can do it just like what any other host is right. doing. So, um, so, you know, just changing hosts isn't a problem. Nope. Um, there's actually a lot of issues with changing hosts <clears throat> that are possible, right? Um, sometimes those processes don't go smoothly. Um, you know, I had to deal with an issue this morning with a large network that moved and they made a couple of mistakes in the move and, uh, lost some audience, um, over a period of time. And they didn't go in and check what they had done, uh, with all of the listening platforms, um, just to make sure that everything had been redirected and shifted over and they lost a big chunk of audience for a couple of months because they didn't go look at what was going on. Um, so that is, that's another takeaway too, is when you make a shift to another platform, you got to go through and check all your distribution areas, especially the key ones, but it is a complex Mm -hmm. ecosystem now. And a lot of people just don't understand how each platform is kind of a little different. Um, and they may or may not pick up RSS redirects. I mean, most of them are now, but. Um, still errors can happen, you know, and, and you just have to be on top of it. You know, I think too is, you know, we had fortunately knock on wood, we haven't seen that happen, but I also tell people, all right, if you're going to move, just breathe. This is a process, right? (laughs) We don't want you to, we want you to consult with us and we'll Mm -hmm. help you out and make sure you follow the steps and, you know, a whole checklist, which isn't that big. But you're right. You, well, you, there's certain things you yeah. have to do. 
Well, and, and it's more difficult. I mean, single show moves are definitely less complicated than trying to move like a dozen shows at the same time. Um, that well, depends. That's, yeah. I mean, it, it should be the same, but right. the complexity of that is a little different, right? Um, especially if each of those shows maybe is not available on all the listening platforms or whatever the complications that exist um, around that. Um, it, most of the time it goes smooth, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, and that's unfortunately what can happen. Um, it's not a common occurrence right. that there's problems. Um, believe me, most moves are seamless and don't have any problems, but occasionally some have a problem. So, so I think though, you know, for me, I, you know, it's a little frustrating because the in what I tell folks in calls is nothing more than they would not they would find the same information almost any anyone that talks about growing a show or building a show these steps these things mm-hmm. you can do are very commonly laid out and but more often than not I get the how should I how should I describe it. I get that that's a lot of work response. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> and that's I, true. And <laughs> the medium is getting more complicated because there's more distribution platforms and each one of them has a little bit of a different, you know, methodology. It isn't like that. They're all the same. It's not a, it's not an, a, a homogenistic ecosystem. This is, you know, each player likes to do their own little unique things. So, which makes it, makes it hard for people to fully grasp and understand the difference between what Stitcher's doing versus what Spotify's doing, right? It's not, it's not always it, an easy thing to understand. Yeah, and for us it's it's not even that. It's, you know, for me distribution is distribution and it's all pretty seamless. It's just the the things you can do besides recording, you know, be, besides putting your yeah, show right. out, you know. Right. And we've right. talked about it here on the show many, many times. Well, and it's gotten easier the last yeah. couple of years because for a few years, there was a, a few platforms out there that were caching your episodes, right. which was even creating a, you know, a even more complicated discussion to have with people about what was going on with their shows. And, and I so. would tell, you know, I, I guess I just tell podcasters and those of you that listen to this show, you know, we don't have to rehash this, but you, you can help us, you know, you really can if you're out there and someone's, you know, talking about their their show and mm-hmm. it's they're having challenges growing. Yeah, I can almost guarantee if you just take five minutes, five minutes, go look at their website, go look at their show notes, you know, you do a couple of searches, just see some basic stuff. You can almost within the majority of shows, within three, four, five minutes, you can probably come up with a half dozen things. You know, I, I heard someone the other day make a comment on Facebook that said, Who subscribes anymore? And I kind of laughed. I really laughed about that when, when that person said, who yeah. subscribes anymore? And I'm just like, uh, the majority of podcast listeners are still subscribing. And, um, and then they've got well, in. Well, it may not be called subscribe. It could be follow or like or okay, something too. So, yeah. But, yeah. And, and I'm just, I'm like, okay, now if you're not worried about that, 
then you, you're not a pot, you know, you're technically, if you're not promoting someone subscribing or liking or whatever it may be on whatever platform mm -hmm. to your show, then mm -hmm. you're just a show. And then you're going to have to work even more hard to build retention and build ongoing people that will tune into your show. And because then they have to, it's not, see here, here again, it goes back to Rob. I know the podcasts that I listen to are here and waiting for me in my mobile device. I know they're there. I may right. not have listened to a show for a week or two, but I know they're there. And I've, right. and I've purposely done that action to make sure I know they're there. Now, if I'm listen, if I'm just haphazardly, let's say that I, I want to listen to X show X. I don't want to have to go find it. That that's a lot of work to go find show X and then be able to say, okay, I want to listen to this episode. Mm -hmm. That you know that to me, the beauty and how we've built this space, and how we've gotten people to engage and to be. You know, when, when we're having this conversation with people is because they purposely have done an action to, to subscribe to you. It's like it's being in the car and hitting FM 103.3. You, you purposely tuned into that station. Now, maybe you did seek, seek, seek. Do you found something in the radio? Right. On the radio. But then, you know, but again, it, it's, I, I guess maybe I'm talking in circles here, but I'm just, I think that a lot of podcasters have forgot the importance of this medium and the importance of getting your, your podcast listeners to do some action on whatever platform it is to lock you in. So you're yeah. there to, to listen at a moment's notice. Say, Oh yeah, let me go listen to that show. Oh, open the app up there. Just click done. You know, seven half to go search and find a show. Mm -hmm. The amount of times I go to websites now and I find no way to subscribe to the show. None, zero. I don't, there is not a single, there's nothing for Apple Podcasts, there's nothing for Google Podcasts, there's nothing for any of these sites. And I'm like, they, and, they, and they're complaining that they're not growing audience. I'm like, uh, duh, you're not even giving people the opportunity to even engage with you. Well, you're not offering the opportunity for a listener to to make a commitment to to, to your show. That's, right. I, I think at the concept level, that's what's really going on there. Um, when a person clicks subscribe or like or follow, whatever that terminology is, they've they've made a choice, right? They've said, I'm going to listen to this show on a regular basis, right? Um, if they're just going to your website and they're, they see a player there, they may or may not click on the play button, yeah. right? It's, they may be passing through, right? So that's the concept behind the whole subscribe. It's, it's a level of commitment mm -hmm. and, and why it works so well in the past is because when you hit subscribe, that meant that you got an episode at least, right? Yeah. Delivered to your device. And it, you know, and maybe that is not as important that the media is delivered to the device. Right. But I, it I, a commitment. there are, there are places I l go right now where there's no cell signal. You know, and I can still listen to shows and I don't think anything about it. Yeah. I but mean, I mean, how are we closing on that relationship with that audience member? Yeah. You know, that's, that's an important question. You know, it, it's an important question in any kind of sales relationship. And, and I did use the word relationship and that's what you're creating right. with your audience is you're creating a relationship with them. 
And sales is part of that process. I mean, we're all basically salespeople Mm -hmm. selling our shows to our audience. And that's kind of how we have to think about it. Rick says in chat, there's a large contingent of folks who get into thinking that podcasting is this magical process that by merely putting one out will guarantee audience and monetization and fame and all that other stuff. And it simply doesn't work that way. Well, I um, had a, um, a call with a, um, well, he's a retired, high-ranking Navy enlisted person. Very, very high-ranking Navy enlisted mm-hmm. person that's been out of the Navy for a while. Well, for about a year. And uh, he's doing a podcast. And uh, he's one of these real, you know, high-speed, high-energy guys. You get on the phone with him, you, you know, if you're going to be on for 30 minutes, you're going to get two hours worth of work done in 30 minutes. That's the kind of phone call you're going to have. And uh, we are just discussing where he was at. And he was he's hosting on some platform that has a, you know, boat anchor. And, uh, <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, right. what he's doing and his strategy. And, you know, there was just, and I didn't, yeah, I, I'll probably well, at some point get his business, but I'm also building a relationship to help somebody that I, you know, I have a, you know, I'm retired Navy, so I've just a little close and dear to my heart. So having a conversation with him about just two, three things that he could do on his own to get, because he was saying, hey, it's not growing as fast as I thought it would. And this guy's got, man, he's he's got some interviews, you know, some really like, wow like leadership type of set you back in your chair and make you learn something type interviews. And, uh, so he says, Hey, I didn't know what I was doing. I just got into this, thought it would be great to add a podcast to my website, doing a podcast with the other group that I show up, I'm a guest. And, you know, I thought it'd be, and, uh, so I think that's what happens to a lot of podcasters too, is they, a lot of individuals, especially high speed, low drag, high meaning this, you know, this, uh, an upper echelon of, you know, you just have this, maybe it's not right to say it this way, but you know, this guy was at the cream of the crop. He was at the top and he had perspectives and access to people that you and I would never get just because of his position. So he has this, all this different type of great retrospect and everything. And, um, I think that there's a lot of that and, and you've got all these real super successful people out there that time and time again, they're like, why isn't my show growing? And it's just because I think sometimes they don't have enough time. Maybe they should have employed someone, spent some money and had someone with a, some production or, you know, mm-hmm. some of that type of stuff. So I, I, you know, for a guy like him, I'm going to say, Hey, let's, let's get you connected with the, uh, some people that can help you. And, um, I think that's what we have to do too, because there's, you know, there's definite, we, we all support indie podcasters and this guy's an indie podcaster, even though he's pretty high level. Um, you know, there's no reason why his show wouldn't have 500,000 downloads an episode. Um, but I think there's just a few things that has to be done. I, I, and I struggle with this because you try to tell people, well, you don't want to say, well, that was a dumb shit move to, be over there you know you don't want to you don't want to make them feel bad but at the same time you just want 
you know you can just see it and you can just see where the the deficiency are deficiencies yeah. are yeah you can lead a horse to water you can't make him drink no people have to have their own learning process about things and and if it works for them it works for them you know yeah. that's that that's always the key thing you know you can only convince somebody that um that they need to make a change if it makes sense to them. And that's, that's the key. And that's part of that sales process I was talking about too. It's, it's identifying what the needs are and then, uh, um, seeing if there's a match for the solution that you might have for them. So that's kind of how I look at the market. And I've been in sales most of my life in some capacity or another. And that's essentially what, what we all are. I mean, I consider myself kind of a salesperson I don't, and, and a person that builds relationships with other people and solves problems um, on that process of a sale. And a sale can be just creating a relationship. Sure. You know? It doesn't have to be that I actually have to transact something with them. Um, so, but Todd, I, I did see a, some research that came out. <clears throat> um, it was linked to off of um, the, the Pod News site. Thanks, James. Um, it was put out by Team Whistle. I don't know if you're familiar with these folks. I'm not. Teamwhistle.com. They put out a, a little bit of a study talking about, um, it's called Ear to the Ground, the active state of podcast listening primes Gen Z and millennials for brand love if done right, is the title of this study that they did. The key takeaway of this study was podcast listening is an active, engaged, lean-in experience. And because this generation is actively listening, they are attuned and ready to receive a brand message. So that's kind of the the key takeaway. But the five findings in this study, and there's more detail than this too, is that listeners in that age group tend to be a little bit more affluent. They're they're probably a little more educated. Um, this study says that they're, they're male sports fans, but that's rather, I think off of, that's a little bit too niche on this topic, but in a number two podcasts are replacing TV in many of these people's lives as a way to engage or, or enhance other activities that they're doing, like maybe, um, games or lots of other things that they're doing in the online world. Uh, and then people prefer to learn with podcasts over books. So makes sense. People, it's easier to listen than it is to read uh, in most situations. And hosts need to be funny and relatable. This gets back to a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Um, the difference between shows that are successful or not is is that the hosts need to be relatable. They they need to be entertaining and they need to bring value to their audience. And I guess that applies to the younger generations here too. And Gen Z prefers shorter duration. And this is also um, key to the foundation of podcasting too, that the younger generation uh, likes about podcasting is it's typically unscripted and off the cuff formats, which guess what this one is. That's right. <laughs> so, and which, which I think is kind of uh, another way of saying, you know, very authentic and real and, and, uh, not, um, staged or, you know, contrived, I think is what that also means. You know, 
do you know what personas are? Yeah. Oh yeah. I work with personas a lot, especially when I was working with Xbox. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we work with personas a lot. Yeah. And personas are, for those of you that don't know is, you know, who are you? Who do I think? You, well, it, personas can be developed several ways. Well, who's your ideal customer is what it really is. Well, or not necessarily ideal. It could be like us. And I have five or, or six primary yeah. customer personas. Right. And they fit into there's, certain. There's usually a range right. of those, those personas. It's usually my experience. It's usually five to six. Right. Different ones that, uh, that basically take you across a spectrum yep. of potential customers or users of whatever you're trying to build. Right. So, so yeah. So the goal is to build a persona and then validate a persona, make sure that you are really, that persona is really the person that you think they are. In other words, if you think they're a millennial or they're, that they're, you know, they, they, they're not technically inclined. There's this whole thing that goes around right, it's with a it. whole spectrum that, right. you know, it can get down to the level of, um, <clears throat> They shop at Whole Foods and they right. they spend half their time on Facebook yeah. and the other half with Instagram or something. I mean, it yeah. could be that kind of granularity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't go that deep because I don't mm -hmm. care if they shop at Whole Foods or where they, you know, I'm just more. Well, anyway, yeah. yeah, you're right. The personas can get pretty deep and companies use them all the time for marketing right. research and figure out where they're going to build product to. And mm -hmm. um you know, it's also used for, for marketing too. Right, so right, there, for marketing, there's, yeah. There's a variety of reasons, and I guess it, it, it also can help developers build a product that That's actually right. caters to an actual person. That's right. Not just solves a technology problem. Yeah, yeah, right. it allows you to focus. So, you know, I think what we've seen in the podcasting space mm -hmm. is, you know, as a podcasting company, I'm thinking about podcaster personas, you know, creator personas. And I've never really taken much time to think about listener personas. Right. You know, yeah. because, you know, how I stay in business is, um, you know, podcasters, the, the listeners, listener We're personas. We're not really on the listening side, actually. No, but this report here by Whistle and this ear to ground report is probably one of the, you know, this, this is the type of stuff that this this is gold you know if you think about mm -hmm. the the data that they've shared here um with this study and again i don't know their background I, I'm, I'm sure they took a lot of time to get this right um it, it's it's a very you know very clean report for those of you that um haven't seen it but they could probably do one of these a week, you know, and all the different age ranges and, you know, it's just, it probably can go pretty far, but, yeah. uh, you know, this is a, uh, this is something as a podcaster, you know, who's your persona, who's your listener persona. So this is stuff that as a podcaster, you should be devouring and looking at it and it says, okay, are you trying to reach the 13 to 34 year old range? Right. Um, you know, and, and if you run your own demographic survey and find out where your audience really is, you'll, you'll kind of know, you'll validate some of this data, but, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. It, 
it really cuts back to in some ways the foundations of this medium, which is validated in some ways in here, because I think we've been going down this path of thinking that, um, you know, scripted, pre-produced, you know, highly edited content is what everybody wants, right? People so, like people like yeah. YouTube videos raw. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure, you know, that that's necessarily the case. Um, you know, I, I, especially as you look at the younger generation that's coming up. Um, what is their experience? They want authentic. They want to have real stuff. I right. Mean, that, that's what they're looking for. But they also want to be educated, too. Because they're not, they're not as, uh, how should I say it? They are already have been in a society where we have stuff going on, not only on social media, but on mainstream media that makes them doubt the authenticity of the message being put forward to them. And they're, they are not necessarily want to be entertained so I think that probably, in my opinion, runs part of it, part of the reason why they like podcast. And um, well, I think Todd, one of the biggest issues in the in our culture and our society today is trust. Right, right. There's, you know, people have a hard time trusting much of anything these days. Oh, that's that's a fact, and that causes all sorts of you know, unintended consequences. <laughs> That'd be a nice way of saying it. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, you know, it runs, we, you know, that could be a whole show in itself just talking about that. But I think that as a podcaster, you know, you're doing your show, who are you doing your show for? Who are your listener personas? Right. You know, are you really, are you annoying them by getting off topic on something? You know, how, you know, how do you keep that audience engaged? You know, my audience, there's a segment of my audience that hates my first 10 minutes of my personal show. Mm -hmm. You know, that's always been the case. Though. Always been the case from the beginning. Right. Come on, get into it. Let's go. Right. You know, I always tell them fast forward 10 minutes. You know, those are and, usually new listeners to your show. Right. They're usually imagine. new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, I have to kind of, you know, after I get two or three emails, maybe in a row from someone that says, hey, go, why? Come on. I'll explain on the next episode again, hey, this is just a little indoctrination for those of you that are new. You know, we spend 10 minutes here just kind of talking and then we get into the into the stack. So where you and I, we just kind of jump in, you know, we just barrel in head first. So we don't get that complaint here that we're wasting wasting people's time. But on my personal show, I do, but it's it's how the show's been. Right. Well, it's it's establishing that personal relationship with it's almost like a filter actually Todd to some degree if you think about it right you're making a connection with your audience but you're self-filtering it those that don't appreciate it you're probably not going to keep right, right right but the ones that do stick around and if you do it um that's that audience expects it from you now right so you know the key takeaway again in that study Podcast mm -hmm. listening is an active, engaged, and lean-in experience. Okay, I think we've known that from the beginning. And because right. this generation is actively listening, they were tuned and ready to receive a brand message. Now, does that mean they're ready to hear advertising, or they want to hear a podcast brand? A brand message, not an advertisement. A brand message is something beyond an advertisement. Right. So I will 
I, I use the word brand a lot. Build your brand. Right. Build your right. brand. Right. Don't build someone else's brand. That's I, I, I probably say that more in a week than anything. Well, brand should be about trust. But whatever it is that you're talking about these days, brand needs to represent an effort around trust. So what's a brand? A brand would be um, tied uh, right. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are brands. And I, and I think of my show. Well, Todd, you're a brand. Todd right, Cochran is. Right. It's but, a personal brand is what right. I would call that. But I also have my show that I consider a brand. This show consider a, a brand. Right. And, and so when they say they're tuned and ready to receive a brand message, that doesn't, it, it basically means that they're buying into an, an establishment or a, or a content product. And that, that is, I think a lot of people do that. So. Though I think some people hear that, Todd, and they they think immediately advertising. Yeah, it's not. And I'm not sure that that's what it means. No, no. GoDaddy's not my brand. Right. My brand is, you know, Geek News Central. It's about building, you know, giving tech news information, sharing my opinion. That's the brand of that. You know, that's what that's all about, breaking it down. You know, this show, what do we do here? The new media show. We talk about podcasting. We talk about issues within it. This is the brand of this show. We don't, right. we don't spend a lot of time talking about our dogs. Of course, I don't have one right now, but you know what I mean? We don't spend time talking about a bunch of other stuff. So this yeah, is a, a... Right. A really good example of this is if you think about um, companies that have been started that have been focused on um, some sort of a social, cultural um, change or nonprofit relationship, right? That uh, companies have a philosophy behind them, right? What does that brand stand for? Right. What does it represent? What um, issues in the world, in the culture, is that brand trying to change or improve or inspire. I mean, all those words and those referential things are what we're talking about here. They're they're What does this show mean to, right. to someone? What does, I mean, what are we doing in the show? We're, I strive every time we do the show to, to be honest and to be fair and to build trust with the people that listen to this show. Sometimes we piss people off. Yes, we do. Sometimes we, we make people happy because we've shown a light on something that people don't understand. Um, so there's risk in being, um, trustworthy or being honest, you know, it doesn't come without risk. I don't think it comes without risk, but it comes with great responsibility. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah, we have a little bit of fun smacking on anchor once in a while. Of course, right. you know we have fun right. with that, but we also recognize what they have done. Yeah, you know, and making yeah. it easy for for people to start podcasting. You know, in the same in the same yeah. regard, and it's just you know kind of our own little nature to be able to do that. But at the same time, I think that we can give plus and minus reasons for anything of using any type of service or you know recommendations and. Right. Um, 
yeah, I think I think your point is on well on Rob. Um, but I, I think that the one of the key findings in this thing is says Gen Z prefers shorter duration, unscripted, and off the cuff formats. So in other words, a little bit entertaining. So right. yeah, I've I've worked with a lot of shows um, o- o- over the years that were like that. Right, they were conversational shows, not unlike what we do, but they were much more focused on humor and irony and and brutal, honest, you know. Um, stories around people's experiences mm-hmm. in life, you know, and those are shows that connect with people because people can associate with that or the very early days of the comedy podcasts, I think was what really kind of opened my eyes to this concept more than I'd ever had before was the emotional connections that listeners have to comedians that have a lot of um, personal problems, right? Yeah. That, that an audience can, can relate to. I don't know if you remember that documentary that was created um, by a couple of comedians down in down yeah. in Los Angeles, that um, that really showed it to me. I think in in just the the impact that some of those comedians have on listeners that you know either have alcohol problems or they have drug problems or that they, they have issues in their lives that that listener can listen to and and go through the steps of recovery or go through the steps of working their way through those things, and that's how podcasts can have a significant impact on someone's life. You know, I look at the show my mom and I did when my dad died and we right. just, uh, his 14th, his death anniversary, I guess if that's such a thing, uh, just passed, you know, so we, you know, have a little remembrance time, but you know, we did a show that was about her transition to being a widow and you know, the problems she had and like crying when she couldn't find the lawnmower key and you know, that kind of stuff, you know? Right. And, right. uh, so it was authentic and I think we did well and were able to reach who we need to reach, but we got to a certain point where we'd said what we had to say and we were done. Um, the show remains online today, but you know, I think it goes back to something here. Rick says too, he says, coincidentally, one of my regular viewers of my wine stream told me that he was one of the, he told me that was one of the reasons he likes my show. He likes a stream of consciousness off the cuff stories. So, right. you know, we, we, you'll say something here and it'll make me think about something and, you know, vice versa. And so I mm-hmm. think it makes people think. So, again, it's there's a lot of stuff in this study that I think we all knew, we all realized, but it is to see the information broke down. Um, yeah. And it even even gets to the level here and, and it we should probably offer a link to this yeah. slide deck, but um, what one of the slides uh, says hosts that are funny and relatable, keep them engaged. Right. That's referring to listeners. The number one is funny. The next one is relatable. And that's a complex term, but um, you know, hosts that have some energy to what they're doing um, are smart. Now that's a, that's a subjective orientation <laughs> as well. Um, compassionate. Um, that's, I mean, a lot of these are right. very subjective, right? Yeah. So you, there's no one way of being compassionate, uh, <laughs> thought provoking, you know, that's asking good questions and trying to come up with an answer and asking your audience to, to, uh, think about things as well and provocative, which is a little bit controversial, right? Which is, I think if you think about this show, there's a little bit of funny, I think we both are fairly relatable. 
I think we're sometimes energetic, not always, uh, <laughs> or we're, we're, I don't, hopefully we're perceived as smart, <laughs> right? Um, and I think we're definitely compassionate, um, thought provoking. We hope so. I hope so. And provocative, very much so. And, so, and definitely the the smart part is subjective, right? <laughs> <laughs> we always have um, different smarts, right? <laughs> right. So, not and quite believe, sure what that always and is. Believe but, yeah. me, there's a lot of smart people out there. You know. It took 15 right. minutes for Chris Smith last week to finally pound into my head what the heck was being done. And then I had to slap the head moment like, right. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, the reason that you were having a hard time comprehending what he was telling you is because it is incomprehensible. So <laughs> When I, expl- yeah. I finally got Angelo on the phone and I explained it to him. And he yep. was, he was dumbfounded. He was just like, <laughs> he, he was like, and they're counting that way. I said, yeah, he said, he just, yeah, I could see him just, you yeah. know, I could just see his head down, shaking his head, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. anyway, um, such as my life at podcast one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so then there's another slide in here that I thought was very interesting as well. Um, it talks about shorter podcasts, right? But what it doesn't say in the earlier slide is that what they consider to be a shorter podcast, um, the, the millennials, um, prefer podcasts that are 94 minutes long. So <laughs> is that shorter? No. Uh. Um, and then Gen Z is 71 minutes. So it's shorter compared to the millennials that want 94 minutes. Um, but you know, this show's 90 minutes, right? So right. we're right in the sweet spot for millennials, Todd. <laughs> you know, my personal show used to go an hour and 10 minutes. Now it's about 55. And okay, I, so you're in the Gen Z. <laughs> right, right. <category>. And Gen <laughs> Z's are probably not listening to my show. I probably, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they might be, you know. Right, right. But, but I thought that that was a little bit of a, deceptive statement that 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 community prefers shorter podcasts so yeah so they are pretty long yeah so uh i tell you both Sirius and uh iheart and everyone is uh they're all in Sirius xm is a new destination for original exclusive and popular podcasts <laughs> i'm yeah. so i have such a hard time taking them serious. I know they're getting big audiences, but I just have such a difficult time um, believing that. <laughs> you know, I just, okay. Yeah, maybe the Marvel, Marvel relationship, who knows. Um, but is anyone really going to serious and finding new original exclusive you know, maybe it's because they're doing so much promotion and we're getting more listeners come in this space that don't know about the rest of the uh, ecosystem. Well, Todd, like we've been saying for years, I mean, at the end of the day, it is really about the content, right? Right. It doesn't really matter how it's distributed, really. I mean, you've always said that you just want listeners. You don't care how they listen. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that, that is to some degree true, I think, in what's happening in the medium right now, you know, contents going behind, you know, passwords and not really a podcast, but 
in some ways it's it's going to be seen as a podcast. So it's just a matter of, you know, we prefer the, the open distribution format, which most people do, but that may not be how everybody else looks at it over the long term. So do you remember me? And here's where we piss people off or I piss people off. Do you remember when I said and have said, and probably you said too many times, if something is free, you're more than likely the product. You know, where you're you, more likely to what? You're more likely to be the product. In other words, if oh, you, yes, correct. You right, know, right. They're so, selling you if you're right. If it's free, and, right. And, you, and you wonder how companies that are doing attribution and all kinds of other stuff are able to survive. Let me read this statement here, and, and, and then we'll come back to that thought. Experian has bought Tapad for $280 million. Attribution company Podsites describes them this way. A number of providers have sprung up in the last decade offering massive databases of every household IP map to identifiers they have seen at that IP. Tapad right. and Drawbridge are the two of the largest. Ad Acast, AdWiz, Podsites, and Charitable mm -hmm. use them among others. I saw that. Plus also think about this too. Experian um, also keeps track of your credit rating. Mm -hmm. So so you think about combining all that data, right? So, so if, if you right. didn't think the data that's being collected, a number of providers have sprung in the last decade offering massive databases of every household IP map to identify if they've seen it at, at that IP. And if ACAS, AdWiz, Podsites, and Chartable are using them, it goes right back to what I continue and you guys continue to say, and maybe it doesn't matter anymore, but... Our it audience appear like the ship has sailed. Todd. The ship has sailed. Yeah. The ship has sailed. Hmm. Yeah. So you, you, you never know. You never know who is using what and using what data. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's another slide. This, this, uh, teamwhistle.com, this, the research they did is just so, I can say, kind of provocative, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff that come, that, that's in this. So, I would definitely recommend that you go look at it. I, you know, whether or not it's 100% accurate is a whole nother question. Oh, you're but, talking about the whistle? Well, yeah. I was just lo looking at um, the the chart that's in here. A medium wherein advertising is already accepted as part of the listening experience. Now, they're talking about podcasts are a useful medium for advertisers to reach engaged audiences. And what they do is they compare audiences' preference to advertising uh, between podcasts and streaming TV services, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it shows about, uh, 50% of people that listen or watch pay TV services, um, prefer to get, uh, a subscription, right. And 50% prefer to get ads, right? right? So it would be a free service. Um, podcasts 
that same distribution, 39% prefer to pay for a subscription and 61% prefer to have ads. Hmm. So you think about there's more acceptance of advertising yeah. in podcasts than there are yeah, supporting uh, it in, in TV. Yeah. So this is a very interesting paragraph. It's no surprise that companies want to buy Wondery, said CEO Herman Lopez in a piece from Sam Bloke and Dot LA. The companies explain internationally, and Wondery's audience is bigger now than it was before the pandemic, he says. Are they getting desperate to sell? Hernan, you mean? Well, that's. Is that a quote yeah, from Hernan? Yeah. Okay. Are they getting desperate to sell their. Oh, I'm not even going to read the title of this. I don't, I don't know if I, I, I left. I use the term desperate or not. I'm not quite sure. Um, here's the, here's the headline. An opportunity, right? The headline, of course, you can't see it, Rob, because I've got you, you can only see me, but it says fighting bribery charges. Lopez says it's not surprising companies want to buy Wondery. Oh my God. What a, what a headline. Oh my God. That, what, what I'm going to read the headline again. Fighting bribery charges, Lopez says it's not surprising companies want to buy Wondery. What? <laughs> that's in dot. Uh, hey, that's a headline off of dot del, dot la. <laughs> wow. It's like they put so a. Why do you, they put, yeah, put so a, why do you think that they they're saying that? I I, I don't know. It's a little bit odd that that they would slam him like that. It's a full interview. It's a, he's got a full interview in here, but they didn't hold no punches in the headline. My gosh. Well, what else is it saying there? Uh, let's see here. Talks about him being under fire. Talks about. Oh, they go right into the bribery stuff. And fraud allegations again, allegations. Yeah, and then they ask about is Wonder going to be acquired? Asked about his vision of the podcasting space. Mm -hmm. Talks about Wonder's further growth. Talk about being out in Los Angeles. So it's a it's just a little bit weird of an article that they're. They're crushing him in one hand and then talking good about wondering another. Interesting so they're, strategy. They're thinking that <clears throat> the company's for sale because they it don't needs make to be in somebody else's hands or something. They like that, don't make the investors. They don't make are. that to. I haven't read it in detail to see if that's the slant, but you would mm -hmm. maybe again. I again. I I can't say how the. I'm just, you know, I'm doing Reader's Digest version here. I'm just taking highlights. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I think both of us would not, um, we're, I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody here. We're, we're just seeing what's going on, what people are saying about what's happening here. Yeah. So I don't know if it's if he's going to be convicted or not. No one does. Yeah, Nobody no does. one does. Yeah. Right. Again, you're 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 innocent to proven guilty in a court of law. And, uh, right. Right. so, but it just, it is, well, I, we'll just leave it at that. 
I guess. But yeah. uh, I didn't, you know, I saw the, the, the headline on the news site and then I went to the article and it had a much more <laughs> poignant, had a lot, more, <laughs> a lot of much more kick to the headline than I thought it was going to have. So, but, uh, so I guess Volvo spent 2 million, $2.1 million on advertising in October. Fantastic. I thought that that was an interesting stat and yeah. Amazon, uh, the number three largest. Where are they spending uh, their money? $2.7 million. Amazon spent on podcast advertising. Hmm. I have not heard an Amazon ad. Does anybody, has anybody heard an Amazon ad? Where You wonder if some of that is just, you know, where that's being siloed. And it says here the number two largest advertiser in podcasting is ZipRecruiter at $3 million in October. And the number one was uh, BetterHelp at $3.7 million. BetterHelp. It's, better. an, it's an online counseling service. Oh, that's interesting. Mental health counseling? Yeah. Huh. They're I guess actually, that makes sense in some yeah, ways. I guess, but they're advertising. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because you're. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are suffering. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, uh, online kind of counselors or counselors that are doing online sessions and things like that are they're all really busy. I mean, a lot of them do podcasts. Yeah, and and I keep hearing that they're all of them are just slammed with work. Um, people having all sorts of problems. So those podcasters that are psychologists and counselors are, you know, and, and doing podcasts are staying very busy these days. There's a new podcast awards that's being run by, it's called the SAS, S-A-A-A, Software as a Service, uh, service. Right. Podcast Awards been launched. And there is a podcast host category. Oh. So there's four categories. Uh, and there's actually, um, a a category for a best episode for someone in a founding story and a pod, or a founding story I think is what it, the term was. So uh, it's four interesting categories. Um, so that's available and, and where's it? Where's the website? I forget. It's at microconference.com. Uh, but I think they have, oh, I don't know if it's listed from the main site or not. Um, yeah, if you go to micro conference, not within just microconf, C-O-N-F dot com, you'll, mm -hmm. uh, you'll be able to see the, they have a, a link at the top of the page where you can nominate your favorite shows. So, it's interesting. It's a little micro category of podcast. Yeah, it's interesting. But let's hear what else. I just so I guess there's a new um, audio consumption app um, in Russia that's been launched. Yeah, we don't hear too much about what's going on with podcasting in Russia, do we? Mm -mm. But this is uh, it's called ARZMAS. <laughs> I can't say that right. But, yeah, you have uh, to ask your son how to how to pronounce that in Russian. Well, I don't even know that he even speaks that well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
And let's see here. Actually, he's likely going to be moving back to the U.S. So. Really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Uh, with your uh, grandchildren as well? Mm-hmm. Well, good right. for him. He's, he's yeah. had enough? E- yeah. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I think it's more just wanting to get back to the U.S., I think. Yeah, living overseas, there, you know, as much as people complain about the United States, right? you know, I, I've, I've had the fortunate to be able to live a lot of different places, you know, and, you know, I lived six years to, uh, in two different stints in Guam. That really is not a foreign country. It's a U.S. territory, so probably doesn't count. But I've been in enough places for enough length of time. It's, you know, the United States, uh, for those of us that gr- grew up here, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, and it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, from what I hear, um, R- Russia has a hard time keeping their citizens. So just put it that way. They actually pay their citizens. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. So, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I have I have been in uh, like Kazakhstan and places like that, which is a yeah. you know old satellite country of Russia, and <laughs> there is uh, it's it's truly feels Russian, feels Eastern European. It. <laughs> I mean, it's not There's, horrible there from what no, I understand. I see a lot no. of pictures and I see, you know, I talk to my son about it a lot. And it's, it's not, a, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot like here in a lot of ways. It's just, um, there's some aspects of it that are a little rough around the edges. <laughs> Might be a nice way of saying it. So, right. Uh, I have a friend. But it is a mod, I mean, don't think of it as a horse and buggy kind of right, world. Right, right. It's, it's a modern world with all of the, Modern conveniences, yeah. most of the modern conveniences that we have. The keyword is most, not all the most, time, though. <laughs> right. I can't say. That, well, one, what, what the grocery stores aren't quite as diverse. Right, right. As, in brands, but they do have a lot of diversity. In uh, Rob, stores. if you go anywhere in the world, grocery stores are not as diverse as here in the United States. Now, maybe right. you go to Spain or places like that, they have some pretty diverse grocery stores. <laughs> they, they do. I've been to many grocery stores in Europe. Yeah. And you know, it's, 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 some of it's indistingu- indistinguishable. That's though. right. You're like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's maybe a little too diverse in my opinion, but that's but, okay. But you can almost be guaranteed wherever you're out in the world, you can always get a Coke and you get a bag of chips specifically. There's probably a McDonald's around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you, it's, it is kind of fun when you go to a McDonald's oh, in another and country. A, and a Starbucks. There, there hasn't been too many countries that I've gone to that I haven't been able to pop into a Starbucks if I wanted a, you, a, a quick American experience. You would suffer here, Mike. The closest Starbucks for me is 30 miles away. I don't right. have a Starbucks right. in my town, but I've got two right. something else's. They're called something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm... I'm following a guy on uh, YouTube that um, he doesn't have a podcast. I, well, I think he's getting ready to start one. And uh, he left, him and his wife, Chinese wife, escaped China because he was doing YouTube stuff and, you know, being a little bit too open about society and things going on there. And 
he got out by the skin of his chin 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 because they were going to roll him up. And uh, mm -hmm. um, now he's talking about all these things that the Chinese government is doing to his family, her family there to put pressure on him to keep his mouth shut from talking about the country and the right. regime and everything else. So I think podcasts like that, where you are actually exposing what really happens underneath right. the, the curtain of communism is, uh, would be a, would be a great podcast. You know, people that have stories like that with real life activities going on. And, um, it, well, I was gonna, gonna travel back to Russia at some point, um, before the COVID thing hit. Um, and I would have been able to, you know, ascertain a little bit, uh, what was going on back there and what that experience was. But yeah, it's been interesting. I, I think I'll just my kind of my bigger kind of thought on it is, is that, you know, I think we get, um, shown or given an impression here of how someplace is that may not be extremely accurate or it just isn't talked about. And right. I think you know, it creates a lot of views of different places around the world based on movies or, you know, cinematic presentations of things that are not always accurate. And, you know, and I, and I, I think uh, from my perspective, I would probably feel safer traveling to Russia than I right. would traveling to China at this point. Um, well, they have a very kind of fairly, from what I gather, it's, it's a lot easier to, to travel to Russia than it is, um, you know, somebody from Russia coming to the U S I'm sure. So as you think about it from, from a travel or a visa perspective, um, it's a lot harder to get into the U S than it is to get into Russia. Well, that's, you know, the United States is ranked like, I think ninth or 10th. Um, when it comes right. to your passport, being able to get into countries, the best ones is the Japanese and the Swiss. I think they're the top two passports that get you almost anywhere without a visa. Right. But, but, you know, you go down the list then and the United States makes it very hard for people to visit. If, yeah. especially if they have a social economic status and the country's known for not being very, mm -hmm. for being poor. Because, you know, people come here and they don't leave. And, uh, you know, that's part of the, the, the reason they've cracked down. But they, it, sometimes it's almost extremely hard to get someone to get a visa to come to the United States. I don't think people realize that either. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. And, um, and it's been that way since post 9-11. Yeah. It makes sense. Um. And then what's happening with podcasting outside of the U.S. is just, you know, James Cridlin's done an amazing job of exposing, you know, various aspects of things that are happening around the world with podcasting. And it's always great to see that. Um, and not all of us, you know, really, like I say, have a lot of um, avenues to see what's going on with podcasting outside of the U.S. So it's good to see, you know, positive things happening around the world when it comes to podcasting. I, I had a lot of plans to do a lot more, um, you know, traveling and going to other countries to promote podcasting and participate in events and things like that outside of the U S but this COVID thing kind of shot that down. So, fast. you know, we got the notification from podcast movement a few days ago. We got to pick our booth space. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. I see where you guys are stashed. So, <laughs> 
I, I, you know, in the corner, you mean? In the corner. I, I basically chose to be up near Podbean. I, I just don't know if that, I hope you guys made a good, good, uh, a choice in that. Cause of course you can't see the scale either. You know, that's the problem with those maps. Well, my concern was being too close to the doors, I think is what my, my worry was on that. Because I immediately looked at the opposite corner and I thought, no, that's like going to be stashed over and and, and probably well, it is Neverland. close to the elevators coming down from the main. Right. So you're right inside the door to the right. Um, right. So we'd I'm be... just hoping that we'd be back a little bit, oh. not right up next to the doors. Because I think, I'm not sure which way the doors open. So I don't know who on your, probably Rob picked the booth yeah, space. I so I, I picked ours and we're, you know, it's going to be Podbean and us. And that's where I picked. Oh, okay. So, so you're directly back from that same door entrance. Well, I'm on a row though. I'm on the first row. On the right, right? Yeah, but I'm not on the inside or I'm not on the outside. I'm on the inside part of the row. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So you are next to Podbean. Right next. Podbean. Yeah. Right next to them. Yeah. But you, uh, you know, we've okay. been beside each other before. It's no big deal. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. That's true. But That's yeah, so I saw that, but are you guys, you know, what's your guys, what are your thought on this UK event? I'm, mm, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about that one. Um, we, we haven't decided if we're going to attend it's yet. It's kind of hard to plan for something like that. Right. Um, you can put a stake in the ground, I guess, but you know, who knows what the world's going to look like. I, I'd, I'll be surprised if they make their first date, yeah. but they have two alternate dates, but you so know, we're talking about an event that's in Manchester, um, UK in, um, outside of London. Um, it's called the, was it the podcast show? I think is what yeah, the I official think so, name yeah. is. Yeah. And they're, they're thinking that they're going to get what did they say a lot, uh, 10,000 people there yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I think is what their goal was. I think it's a little aspirational <laughs> considering well, that would, would be the largest podcasting event in the world. And we would have, you know, to make this really happen, things are going to have to, you know, if you think about the vaccine, so they're, we're going to have a vaccine yeah. here in a couple of weeks Yeah, and 40 million doses. It's just getting it out to people. You know, and, and so, you know, maybe by April we'll have a first shot and you're going to have to get two. Mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, I'm sure com- countries are going to make it a requirement that, you know, I just can't see them opening up borders. I mean, no. if, if you have, and they say in a quote unquote, you can still be a spreader if you have a, a vaccine. Um, remember, vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. It just helps you fight it off. So you can still get COVID and having had the vaccine. Um, right. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens there. But so that is true then that that it doesn't prevent you from catching it. Then no, 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 no. It doesn't prevent you from catching it. You can still catch COVID, but you 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 would not have maybe be completely asymptomatic. That's my understanding. But I think you still can catch it. It's just you. All a vaccine does is help you. Do the symptoms get muted? I don't. If, again, someone's going to say, Todd, you're a doctor and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, so I don't claim to be a doctor. But, you know, just like right. the, they have all kinds of, uh, you know, the polio vaccine prevented you from getting polio. So, you know, it, but maybe it just wasn't as strong, I'm, I'm assuming. Again, I'm not a, don't take anything I say as fact. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, if that is the case, that does create, 
uh, another question, right? Of if this thing can, which means that we're all going to get it is what it means. Well, ultimately I think we will all get it, but right. And you know, that's, you know, if we can all get it and not die, that's a good thing. It kills it. It's, it's out of, it runs out of power. That's the herd. I guess it depends on what, what kind of damage it can do. You know, that's, that's how they achieve herd immunity is you, you know, the virus is starved for new host and it, it doesn't have more transmission places right. to go. And that's right. how they die. And that's right. the reason for getting a vaccine is you, you expedite the, the herd immunity. But, well, if I mean, if you think about it, that's, that's essentially what the flu virus is too, or right. the, the flu shot right? Yeah. is basically dead flu virus right. is part of what's in that. Right. But so you're, you're putting, putting those antibodies into your body is what you're doing. So we'll see if, you know, in the flu shots only 50% effective because they, sometimes they get it wrong. You know, they, they pick one, they think it's going to go one way or the other and they, then, right. you know, it does this. So we'll see, but yeah, I, I think I'd like to support it. Well, my um, question is what's going to happen to the flu? Just uh, the common flu. Are they going to have, they're going to solve that problem or are we uh, going to continue to have that? <laughs> that's never going away. And by the way, I don't think they're even counting flu numbers this year. So. I mean, I mean, it is an interesting question to think about if we put all this effort into solving the COVID problem with the vaccine, but why, I think, because the common flu is basically very similar to it, right? Why don't we solve that too? It, well, the common, the, the, the reason we don't put as much effort into it, Rob, is it doesn't kill as many as it, it kills a lot. I think the flu kills 30, 40,000 a year. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not quoting any facts here. <laughs> yeah, right. It just doesn't kill enough. <laughs> it doesn't kill enough to make people get too worried about it. I guess so. Wow. Okay. And thus the pushback from a lot of people who, you know, that's why we got part of the problem in the country. We got a lot of people in the country that, and again, I, it's your choice if you take a flu vaccine or not, or a flu shot. I don't think they call it a vaccine. It's a flu shot. So is a flu shot a vaccine? Let me even ask. I think they do consider it to be a vaccine, but I'm not sure. It's not like a cure. It's more of a preventative as what I always thought it, it was. Influenza, yeah. Influenza flu shot is a flu vaccine. Yep. Yep. Right. So. Right. I always thought it prevented you from catching it. So. Well, right. you know, I have had, because of traveling to CES, I've taken right. a flu shot every year for 10 years. And I know there's other people that tell me you're crazy. And I know people that don't get flu shots because they say every time I get a flu shot, I get sick. Well, you sometimes get a little bit sick from the flu shot. Because it's actually putting dead virus in your body. That's what it's doing. So, and they say it's not supposed to, but we've all, all of us have taken enough flu shots to know that sometimes you get sick when you take a flu shot. So it's, it goes against common uh, opinion. It can also just be, you know, <laughs> coincidental. Coincidental, too. Sorry, right. Yeah. But at the same time, I've, you know, I've taken a flu shot and then come down and been sick as a dog for two weeks because the, whatever they picked that year was the other strain came out and was more heavy. So, but then yeah. there's been other years I've took it and got not got anything. Went to CES and you know shook a hundred thousand people's hands and was coughed on and you know you you just you talk about a germ heaven. Uh, you go to a trade show, my God, you know. Yeah. So I I don't know. I guess we'll see. I haven't got a flu shot this year. I guess I should get one. Yeah, I haven't got one either yet. You just go down to your local Walgreens or 
I or, figured there was like zero chance of me catching the flu this year because I'm not around anybody. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong? Yeah, wow. yeah you're wrong. It's going to come through my microphone from you, Todd. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just... Uh, Boy, I better sanitize this thing. Right I think away. I think there's enough people that are vaccine deniers, too. And again, I don't care if you get a vaccine or not. Yeah. Um. But I think there's going to be plenty of vaccine to go around because there's so many people that won't take the vaccine. So I'm thinking this 40 million doses, I might be able to get in on the early, early run. Oh, my God. Yeah. We don't have to go down that path. Oh, I'm going to. Hey, you you might be surprised, Rob, how many people are not going to take this vaccine. There's a lot. Jesus. There's a lot. They said like 43% or something are not going to get it. So. Okay. Yep. But it is what it is. I'm going to get mine because I'm ready to travel again. So, Todd, did you see this quote in uh, Pod Pod News by Paul Vogel uh, from Spotify saying that uh, um, we, we really feel good about the demand for podcasts and podcast advertising on our platform? Um, He also added that Joe Rogan has done better than expected so far. Hmm. And that podcast goes exclusive on December 1st. Well, they've also said they're not done spending money. Yeah, I heard that too. So uh, we both have a chance yet to be owned by uh, Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, if if they're spending money like a drunk sailor, so I'm not surprised they're going to say this. Well, they're trying to buy up the 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 medium, mm-hmm. don't they? Don't they understand that they don't really control the medium? Well, if you continue to buy more big shows, then I guess eventually they're trying have... to do economy of scale here. And when you can, if you're a media buyer, you're chomping at the bit just to buy from them. You know, this, you know what Spotify is doing is going to push the issue with their competitors too. Oh yeah. Right? You're starting to see it already kind of domino, you know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm anticipating moves from a few other platforms. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you want me to say, Rob? You want me to break an Uh, NDA here? (laughs) I don't know that there is anything to say. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's there's going to be, there's going to be more move by more platforms. And it, right. and some of it's really good, and we aren't done with the with the new platforms. Either. No, no, so no, no, we're not done. Are, things are still bubbling. So you know, so. we'll we'll see what happens here. But you know, the, the the needle keeps being moved by all these big players. with just making sure that the uh, you know that uh, podcasters are you know understanding what these changes mean to them. I think that's the thing. So, you know, Joe Rogan going exclusive. So is he still, he's probably not on your guys' platform right now. He's probably long moved, right? Mm, uh, Rob Walsh has been dealing with that. Oh. I haven't been oh, so. directly involved in that. <laughs> you don't want to say. But anyway, you definitely your bandwidth bill probably has went down. So that's. <laughs> Put you this way. That is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, like maybe uh, Spotify will find out the real cost of hosting a show like that. 
Yeah. Well, it's definitely. Yeah. I saw you guys announced your third quarter results. I know you can't talk too much about beyond what was saying here, but uh, you guys had a good revenue growth quarter quarter. Of course, uh, you guys had to do a big cash payout to your former CEO. So a little bit of an interesting uh, 10Q yeah. there, I guess that's the best way to say it. Well, we're on the hunt for a new CEO too. So oh, that's, that's the good. Other thing that's you guys haven't on. called me. So I haven't called <laughs> Todd's on speed dial. No. Yeah. I would, I'd probably be fired for just saying that. I'm just joking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, you know, I know Lori's running the company now, so. Oh, well, she's always really run the company. So. Yeah. So why, why don't I just make her CEO? Uh, that's, that's my vote, but let's put you that way. <laughs> yeah. But you, you can just only say that as a, as a, as a Rob. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. I can. Yeah. I don't really have a vote in it, so it's all right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, what else is going on here? I'm just looking through the news. You know, there's just a lot of it's been a lot of stuff, you know, and um a lot of discussion points too about <clears throat> all these deals. I saw and, that the the Veritone folks launched a audio licensing library, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know uh, if I paid too much attention to that. Yeah, it's it's where they uh, are going to offer licenses to use clips from various audio sources. Oh, okay. Right. Kind of like what's been going on in cable news for a long time where right. people can come in and buy, buy video clips from their competitive networks to play against those networks. <laughs> oh, I know what I needed to tell you. I did oh, that I, that brought something up, huh? Yes, no. and it actually tri- I don't know how I got triggered by this, but I I got a little note from our friends at Apple and they said, "Yes, you can still add." Let me see if I can find the comment he made to me. Uh no, not this one. He said, "Oh, let me go. Let me find it. Let me find it first. The discussion." Oh, here it is, I think. Um, he says, the Apple rep says, add in, to, to add, in our, add in RSS feed to Apple Podcasts. I know it's a bit hidden, he says, but you go to library on the podcast app. Right. Go to library. And then you go to edit in the top right-hand corner. And then you can add show by URL. It's right on the bottom. So oh, you still okay. can, so you can still do this. So again, to get there, to add a, a RSS feed manually, you go to library, top right hand corner, hit edit, and then it'll show your your shows and everything you're subscribed to. So if you're subscribed to a lot of podcasts, you have to scroll down and you just add a show by URL, and it's got gives a little pop up to be able to put the subscribe link the in, there. URL in there. Yeah. All right. So uh, thanks for that clarification, and um, I understand why you kind of get. You can take an RSS feed and submit it to your own library. That's where right. it comes in. And, and that pa- was a common feature of a lot of the earlier podcast listening. And, and part of the um, reason is is because it's um, a lot of private RSS feeds can be authenticated through the Apple Podcast app, so you can add a private podcast feed and you have a username password 
to authenticate a feed if you have a private podcast. So that's how they essentially continue to support that. But uh, I had lost track of where they put it, but it's it's definitely there. So Todd, here's a quote um, that came out of a um, session uh, at Rain Australia Asia um, podcast conference mm-hmm. or radio podcast conference. Uh, it was a quote from a fellow out of Australia um, in New Zealand. His name was Ollie Wards, and he he's he said here talking about. Um, what's the future of podcasting around ultra short, ultra long shows. And he, he's quoted and you say, I just think that we are going to see continued disparity between really long form, deep dive, full length conversations and very, very, very short stuff like TikTok kind of 15 second type things, where you might be able to tell a story in 15 seconds whether that's audio or video, which is crazy short compared to a Joe Rogan podcast that's three hours long. So ultra short versus ultra long content and less in the middle. So is what this fellow thinks that the medium is going towards. Here's what I'll tell you about TikTok. They have, uh, they have officially invented a time machine. Right. Now, Those that use TikTok know what I'm talking about because you can sit down on your phone at seven o'clock at night and play on TikTok. And all of a sudden it's midnight and you don't know how (laughs) you you got there. You don't know how you got there. (laughs) Well, it's, it's not just TikTok. I mean, this is Instagram too, right? Uh, No, Um, TikTok has perfected the time machine. Right. So, if you it's think quick, about it, quick though, to the next video, very quickly, 15 seconds to a minute, right. no, nothing more than a minute. So sometimes people have to do, it's not really conducive for serialized content because it doesn't feed it to you that way. It feeds it. So you're going to get some stuff that's like, you know, uh, part three of a story and then you have to stop. You got to go find the provider. You got to scroll down through their list, find part one and listen to part two, part three. Right. So it's that kind of consumption I don't know if I could handle what can you tell me in 60 seconds in a podcast or how about 15 seconds, Todd without something visual. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it'll work. I think Gary Vaynerchuk has been playing around with this a little bit too, but he, he, he does it more in a video format right, because right. you can, you can communicate more quickly um, more information in a 15 second video but, than you can in a 15 second audio. But piece. Gary Vanderchuk has a personal guy that comes with him 24 hours a day. Oh, he's got a whole team behind a him. whole team That's, that is, yeah, right. that is, I mean, he's been hiring people to work th- with him on this for they, a couple of years now. He, he doesn't have to get his camera out. He says something profound in a meeting and it's been captured already on, cause they got people recording, uh, constantly. Hours. I mean, just when he just meets people, right? You know, while he's traveling, he's probably not doing as much of that. So they're they're probably tapping into old archives because you know, so so stuff. He 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 just that's what happens when you can everything. That's what happens. Everything. That's what happens when you can have, you know, afford to have that type of someone covering you. But you know, uh, Gary. uh, You know, it's interesting history on Gary and how he started a podcast. Everybody knows he was a. 
he was a podcaster yeah. first. Everybody knows that, yeah. right? Yeah, I met him back in 2007, um, just as he got started. Um, yeah, he was an interesting guy. I now, he, he, had a, he was a successful yeah. business guy already. You know, and well, he had a wine company, a wine company yeah. right? Yeah. Or a liquor company might be a better way of saying it. Yeah, it was like a distributorship is what he was yeah. doing. Rick says it takes that long to just greet my guest, and Addie says totally. Lol, TikTok is something else. So, <laughs> Addie, you you have been in TikTok uh, time warp, haven't you? <laughs> right. So. It's, it's time traveling is what it is. Rob, have you ever, have you ever used TikTok? Oh yeah. Sure. Uh, so it's, it's, it's yeah, insane. I've seen a lot of those features come over to Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And it wouldn't surprise me to see it come over to Twitter eventually. What we need to figure out is how we, uh, <laughs> how we get only fans accounts for podcasters. Right. For those of you that don't know what OnlyFans is, uh, a lot of people are making a lot of money on OnlyFans. <laughs> but it's content that I wouldn't be putting out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think, Todd, that the next big thing that's coming, and you're starting to see the early signs of it right now in, in more of the political realm right now, is uh, niche genre platforms. Oh, I think uh, so too. Taking over more and more. And I think it's going to come to podcasting too. Um, I, it, to it's me, it's a matter of time. You know, networks have been big in podcasting for a long time, but I, I have that sense as well that networks will be, niche networks will be really. Yep. So to be, you know, we've seen signs of it in the past too, you know, around, you know, sci fi networks and, and, you know, like sports networks and things like that. But I think it's going to expand um, much more so. So you think about the diversity of topics uh, that are covered in podcasting from around, you know, genres or whatever. You can kind of visualize that the bigger ones that are aggregating large amounts of content um, are going to start working together, right? Team up with each other. I mean, just like all, all the women podcasts is a mm -hmm. good example. You know, like she podcast could be this huge podcast listening platform, right? Potentially. Right. So time, time will that's tell. what I'm talking about. Right. Addie says L A M O not finding a lot of podcasters there. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity knocks. Well, you know, I, I've seen <clears throat> some TikTok folks where they're doing, um, 60 second news segments recaps of stuff that's going right. on. So I've seen some right. of that. So, you know, you can, it's, it's like, you know, there was a little bit of flurry a couple of months ago about, uh, Pit, Pinterest being a place to promote your podcast too. So, you know, maybe mm. TikTok is a place to build audience around podcasting as well. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe I don't not. know. I don't know. It's, it's not, Again, it's a cross-promotional opportunity, not a primary. Yeah, you know, and I just, it, it really depends. You have to be careful what you like because it feeds you all kinds of different stuff. I've tried to be real careful in liking stuff, but if I hit it once in a while, then all of a sudden I get, you know, I get fed a thread of. Barrage of stuff. Right? Yeah, of yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. So. It takes anyway. signals and funnels you into pathways yeah hey right. we're on twitch today rick we're streaming on twitch nobody watches over there but 
We're on Twitch. <laughs> All right, we are. We're already at an hour and a half. Let's okay. Let's let's bigger out of here, as they say. Yeah. So, what are we going to do, Rob? Are we going to do a show on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, or? Yeah, I'm game if you are. All I'm, right. I'm just. You know, I'm just at home. All so, right. So I might as well get online. I have, I have bandwidth and I'm sure you will have bandwidth then. Too. Yeah. So, so what about the day after Black Friday? Are we going to do a Saturday show? Of course. All right. We'll have to, t- we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that because I might have important shopping to do. I'm just joking. Uh, really? <laughs> right really? on my computer. Might go to hey, the outlet mall. I- I, I didn't get a chance to mention before, but I'm going to be getting a teleprompter. So oh, get, yeah. I've already ordered it. I'm going to have it by Friday. So, Well, you can script your whole response to this show. But I, I actually know that there's two purposes. One would be to be able to, to do pre recorded videos, short, shorter videos, right? For various purposes. And then also just to have you, right? When yep. I do a show with you, to look directly at the camera. Ah, because I look at you directly through the camera because you're behind me on the wall. Right. So it used so, to I have I mean, to do this, but I see I mean, that yeah. there. Right. So you don't probably need it per se. No. But my particular situation, I have to look at a different, I have to look down, down or over right, or right, like right, that right. to be able to see you instead yep. of looking directly at the camera, which once I get this teleprompter, I'll be able to. See you because I can only see myself right now because sure. I'm using a camcorder. Mm-hmm. So I have the the little window that's open on the camcorder, right, to see yourself. I can see myself, but I can't see you, right. So that's interesting. So larger, you can so you can actually put me. That's kind of right scary. In front of the lens, right? Oh, interesting. Which version? Which you have to tell me which one you got so we can take a look at it. Okay. There was something I was going to tell you before we got out of here. What the heck was it? Hmm. I guess it was not important. It'll come to me after we get off and I'll be pissed, but oh well. All right, everybody. Uh, Todd at Blueberry.com at Geek News on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, Rob Greenlee. And uh, you can send me an email if you want. Rob G at Lipson.com. We thank you for tuning in today, and uh, we'll be back with you with the cool sounds of the new media show. Again, yes. on this coming Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. I know all of you are going to be uh, getting off work early because you're all going to have Turkey Day the following day, and you're going to, you know, but take some time. Oh, I know I was going to tell you. It came to me. So take some time and come uh, join us live uh, Wednesday at uh, 3 o'clock uh, for, for an hour and a half. So what I was going to tell you, Rob, is here in Michigan, everything's locked down. The restaurants are all closed, only for takeout. So uh, yesterday, I, I drove 13 miles south, crossover into Indiana. There was this invisible bacteria border as we crossed into Indiana. And I went to a restaurant, had dinner last night, sitting down. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the COVID couldn't get beyond the Michigan-Indiana border, so... Um, <laughs> Indiana is open for business for those of you in Michigan that want to go out to dinner and they are, they're socially distancing. Right. And we're, we're, there's no way you can catch this through watching us. So come join us. (laughs) All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Bye.